The following podcast is a part of RadioMisfits.com. It's time for Caffeinated Comics, a lively discussion and debate on comics, film, television, and collectibles, all fueled by the magic of Frappuccinos. And now, here's your hosts... John and Steven. Hey, it's Caffeinated Comics. I'm your host, John Clark. And with me in the studio, actually calling it a studio, although it's been used like three times in the last year, is Chicago's King of Geeks, Elliot Serrano. How you doing, Elliot? Wow. Wow. I'm looking at the... What I can only describe as an obsession that I am so jealous of. <laughs> or or grateful you don't have. <laughs> We've gone with the the studio now is a very different aesthetic than my old place. My old place was um was a lot of omnibuses, there were floor to ceiling bookcases, and then on the top was all a few hot toys. And it was very elegant. Yes. You could see everything. In this one, I'm in more of a window box as a smaller studio, so I've just bought a lot of IKEA shelves and crammed them with as many Marvel Legends. And McFarlane DC Multiverse and Indiana Jones and Star Wars Black as possible. Um, yeah, I, I I look like one of those. I look like one of the local toy stores now. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's not unlike Quake Collectibles in the city. Or, I mean, in my eye line, I see four Ash figures of the different. Oh yeah, that's because you're looking at the monster shelf. And we'll look at the monster shelf, and then I go shift my eye line a bit to the left. There's all your DC and Marvel, the Indiana Jones shelf, which is considerable, even even more considerable than mine. Well, well, it includes all the ones I told you to buy that you that haven't. I did not buy. Yeah, maybe you know when those suckers start showing up at Ollie's, I'll I'll grab them. I think some of them might. I think the first the first wave, but uh, you know what? I was just talking to a friend of mine yesterday, who's like my closest toy collector friend who, as I always hasten to mention, will never appear on this show. <laughs> He's told me in no uncertain terms. But he said he asked Target about the last wave of Indiana Jones with Henry Sr., and he said they didn't order him. No, yeah, no, so, nobody's at t- so, Target. I'm, I'm sorry, um, Walmart never got any of the Indiana Jones figures. Yeah, so I don't know how many we'd expect showing up at Ollie's. The last time I was at Ollie's, and, and Ollie's, I've just learned, is like the regional closeout place. Right. Um, it's you know kind of like a big lots, but it's more regional. Uh, every time I go to Ali's, there's a lot of Eternals Marvel Legends. So it's like... And they're eight bucks now. So yeah, if you missed out... It's stuff they thought would do well. If you're kicking yourself <laughs> for not getting that Icarus action figure, it's there now. It's looking for a home. Yeah, every now and then I think about owning a Kumail action figure, but I don't know if I want to go eight bucks on Kumail. Um, but speaking of comics, we... Oh, and, and uh, we have discovered a new recipe, so we're both drinking hot buttered rum. Uh, this is this is nice. I'm telling you, this is this is getting me in the mood for what I'm already projecting is going to be a very upsetting conversation. <laughs> <laughs> well, this this is a Christmas drink. It's one of those that like you heard about in 30s movies, and you're like, "What is that?" So we looked up the recipe last week, and it's basically a lot of butter, a lot of brown sugar, and then a shot of rum, and with hot water, and it's pretty. It's and pretty then we good. threw ice cream in it because you know. Um, I want to break my diet as hard as I can. <laughs> I want to break it against glass. <laughs> well, I'm looking at you, John. You, you, dude, you've you look like you've lost a lot of weight. You I need. Lo- to- I lost ten pounds yeah. in the last month. Um, the last show, we're actually about to do a Christmas show tonight. We're doing a '90s tribute Christmas show. So we're uh, my band is going to be doing only Weezer tonight. But I saw pictures from our last show, and I was like, "Ooh!" <laughs> so that's, I'm hoping I won't do that with the pictures from tonight's show. Well, that's what happens with all my photos. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, "Good God, COVID did nothing for me." Yeah. So I, <laughs> but you know what? COVID was three years ago, so you could have lost all the weight and gained it back by this now. This is true. This is true. So that that being said, I had COVID two months ago, but now no one cares. No. Uh, but yeah, this the last couple weeks, this was a topic that I wanted to cover about a month ago because I feel like this has been something that's been bubbling under the surface. But this week it hit like mass, uh, mass conversation. And I am I am officially off Twitter 
So I missed yeah, a lot of the by, vitriol. I'm going to say by mass, meaning in that little corner of Twitter where everything pisses everybody off. Yeah, yeah. and also where the, you know the, <laughs> the professionals are weighing it, where Gail Simone and Mark Millar and Mark Wade are writing uh, writing long dissertations about this. And I'm like, oh, oh, this is what we're all talking about. Is and trying to be reasonable, if anything, but getting getting shots taken at them because they are being reasonable. Yeah, yeah. which is not. It's par for the course for people like Gail Simone and Mark Wade yeah. <laughs> online. Yeah. Uh, wonderful people. Met them both. Love yeah. their work. Mark Wade's a great guy. You know, yeah, Mark Wade guy. is fantastic. Mark Wade has agreed to come on the show. We never made the dates work, but uh, wonderful. And Gail Simone put a good friend of mine, um, uh, our friend Mike Drucker, name, she named a character in her Batgirl one after him. Nice. Um, but she, Gail is also good people. She's a great yeah. ambassador for comics, which I think a lot of people tend to forget. Yes. Um, and you know, Gail appreciates comics. She started as a hairdresser before she broke in. So she, they, you know, these are people that love the industry and everyone's a little worried about the industry now. So there are all of these think pieces and then all of these hate speeches. Um, I feel like everybody's trying to pinpoint what is wrong with the comic book industry. And a lot of people are pointing fingers and sometimes they're pointing fingers at other people. Now, now you're, are you still on Twitter? No, I okay. no, I, I get a little. I feel like that was where most of the argument happened. That, that, yeah, that is where it happened, and um, it didn't make its way over to Threads. Thank God. It was yeah, Threads a, is nice. Threads. Thre- I mean, it's starting to get a little icky there too, because it's you know all the guys who love going on Twitter to basically pwn the liberals or whatever, just you know make get go after the snowflakes and all. You know, now that people aren't engaging with them and they're just out there yelling into the into the void, for, so to speak, they're like, "Oh, I'm not annoying anyone. Where can I go where I can annoy people?" So, yeah, well, so, and that's that's what Twitter was when Twitter first started. I was a stand-up when Twitter first started. We were all just going on there and trying out jokes, try out jokes, and yeah. it was so much fun. Yeah, and I've gotten many many guests on the show from Twitter. Yeah. Um, there was a get there was a a, a guest that. Uh, was going to come back, and because we only talked on Twitter, I didn't really have a live contact with them. Um, um, I'm not going to say who because if they come back, that would be great. <laughs> but, but yeah, we de- I definitely lost something for Twitter. I'm hoping Threads reclaims that. I, I assume social network is always going to have this cycle. Yeah, and eventually we'll get to the Facebook level. Like I'm, I mean, I, you know, I'm a middle aged guy now, but I'm back on Facebook, and Facebook I understand. You know, like the most annoying thing on Facebook for me is people that are posting the same joke over and over again. Yeah, yeah. And for like, I've I've been very careful in how I've, um, what is it? How I've cultivated my Facebook page, the friends that I have, the conversations that I have. <clears throat> Facebook, you know, I get the I have a prof- a professional page, so. I get the analytics. I get to see what... Follow Elliot Serrano on Facebook. Thank you. And go to the Facebook, the Caffeinated Comics page. Facebook.com slash Caffeinated Comics. But over over time, you know, I've, I've noticed that I don't... You know, I used to have the randos come by and start spewing stuff on my page and just annoying everyone. That doesn't happen so much anymore. Well, the, the algorithm on Facebook means you're only looking at about 25 people. Yeah. Well, and, you know, and it's a, a, it's such a random assortment because there's there's people I'm like... What? Why do I always see this person I went to high school with? Let's, and why do I not see my best friend? <laughs> it's, it's twenty. It's like the twenty-five people I see are people who have actually like seen their posts and maybe liked or mostly just like a, a thing they post. Yeah. Everything else is freaking ads and pages that are being promoted. I mean, my thing. I had no idea that there was so much debate over whether LeBron James is the goat. You know, I mean, I don't care. It's the NBA. They're all like, these guys are all seven feet tall and shooting three-pointers. It's boring. I don't care about the NBA now. Why are we even describing? Because let's be honest, Michael Jordan will always be the greatest. Before Michael Jordan, before I even look at LeBron James, we're going to talk about Wilt Chamberlain and Bill Russell. LeBron James doesn't even crack the top five. So let's put him aside and let's not even think about him. But yes, Facebook keeps pushing that at me because it knows it's going to annoy me. Yeah, I don't get any of that. <laughs> what, what I get is a lot of guys arguing between tube amps and digital processors for guitars. I get a lot of that. And I get a lot of people putting Mezco 112 figures up and going, what's this worth? That's, that's that, my day. Yeah. 
Uh, and then I got I, I forgot I forgot the name. I follow one guy who's constantly posting about going to estate sales and garage sales, finding comic books for his because he buys. Comic oh yeah, books. I get a lot of pictures of Walmart aisles with McFarlane superpowers now, <laughs> and they're like, "I found Black Manta." <laughs> I'm like, "All, all right, man." Yep. Great. And I and I get everybody on every uh, group I belong to, everybody posting the joke of, I have to hide this for my wife. And you can you can smell the Photoshop where they just they just deleted the word and then they wrote in my area of expertise. And it's the same <laughs> joke. The guitar guys are doing the same gag as the comic book guys, as the action figure guys. And it's like, yeah, I get it. I get it. You you like this thing. And then, and, um, and, and then, of course, our buddy um, Alex Arnold, who we had on the Top mm-hmm. Man show, who's posting all the collectibles that he's getting from everywhere. And well, I'm he's like, getting things <laughs> I don't know are out. Yeah. Yeah, and Alex, and Alex did our show. Uh, he did the Top Man podcast, which was rebroadcast as a Captain Comics, so you can listen to that. But he's got a really <laughs> interesting story. I mean, that's the flip side of what we're talking about now, because Alex was a guy that was Indiana Jones. One post went viral, then the next post went viral, the next, and then suddenly he has a following. And it's all positivity. It's yes, not very him happy. ripping on the movies or talking about how much they suck or how Kathleen Kennedy is ruining Lucasfilm and that the new indie is woke and all that bullshit. <clears throat> very positive. And, and I love it. I love the fact that he, he took off like he did, that he's gotten such a following and he's positive about the, his fandom. I just wish I could see more of that. Yeah. I really do. Yeah, it's yeah. so... I get so downhearted and this really leads into our main topic. About um, people just saying things suck, but they don't review them. They're just like, you know, I think I probably belong to more action figure boards than anything else. Action figure boards and probably guitars. Um, And if you look around this room, that's all you're going to see. But I get so frustrated by people like trash. And I'm like, well, what don't you like about like this company sucks now. And it's honestly you could you could take that as a meme and just black out Mm -hmm. you. In my feed, you could black out Gibson and write in Hasbro, and it's the same exact post. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, look, if you if you have reasons behind it, like number one, everything's too expensive, and that's something that's being discussed now with comics. Yeah, everything is too expensive. Like, uh, you know, my income is better than I thought it would be, and I got nothing at the end of the month <laughs> because because one Marvel Legend figure is twenty five dollars. Mm-hmm. You know, one uh, Marvel comic is three ninety nine. Uh, Unless you go to Ollie's, and then they're ten dollars, and then they have. Oh wait, yeah, but it has to be Kumail. It has to be, (laughs) yeah. Just, just, it's only Kumail Nanjiani is on it. But they, they have all those collections, uh, the the trade paper packs and collections for like. Yes, Court of Owls Volume One. That's. (laughs) Yeah, um, I mean, you're you're not going to get a a breadth of inventory. (laughs) True, and and they brought back the comic book packs. Remember when they would be like three bags of three comics in a bag? That's how I got Raiders of the Lost Ark when I was a kid. Yes, so they brought those. back back too which is so cool but yeah i don't know anyway, yeah it's but that's closeout which means that product already failed that's the problem the problem with ollie's is like for ollie's to get something it's not doing well which means you're not going to get a lot more of it right but yeah i you know i i just get fr- i understand the price i mean if you tell me any topic and they say it's too expensive now i'm right on board with you like they say I heard a report today that inflation is slowing down and wages are going up. I personally haven't seen it, but we're all making cuts. I'm trying, you know, like I said, I was just talking to my friend Joe yesterday and we always talk about like what we got next and, you know, uh, what's coming out and did you find this in New York and I found this in Chicago and, you know, my friend ordered this. I bought this. It's actually really good. It's worth the money. And our conversation was yesterday was how much we're cutting back. I was like, well, I cannot afford the mcu figures anymore so i've got to focus on comics and you know and i'm not i haven't gotten a star wars black in a year or two and that's our conversation because it's all about price so i get that and i get that article about comics what's been frustrating me and i think we should just get into it is all the people that are saying uh comics are bad because they've changed yeah, I mean, it's it, that's going to happen with any market. I mean, we're seeing this in every market right now. There's no, I can't think of any single market within, I guess, within entertainment where you don't have the same sorts of arguments going on. Where 
Well, this isn't the way I remembered it to be. And I don't like it. And the reason it doesn't do well is because they, you know, they don't do it like this anymore. Um, yeah. And that goes back to the trash argument for me, which mm-hmm. I, I tune out completely. I'm like, I'm like, it, that's solipsistic thinking, in my opinion. It's like everything needs to revolve around my taste. And if and you're the guy who's already buying the stuff. The guys who are making this argument are are buying Marvel and DC or they own comic book stores. Like and there's and they're saying the problem with readers is you're not appealing more to me. That's all they're doing now is appealing to you. And you're they're appealing to you 90% and you're complaining that you want another 10. Where what's really the problem is people that don't care about comics don't have a reason to care about comics and they're not going to care about comics if they start making them like they did when you were a kid. And add to that that the, the the direct market is just not the market that younger readers go to now. Um, <clears throat> you know, for every for every challengers that you have in the city of Chicago and all yeah. these really the challengers uh, for people outside of Chicago is uh, one of the best comic book stores. It's uh, you know, it's I'd say challengers of Chicago comics are probably the best yeah. in the city. They're up there with like Forbidden Planet or Midtown Comics in New yeah. York or um, Golden Apple in California. Where they make first, they, they make going there fun. Um, the, the, the whole atmosphere is welcoming. They have a wide variety of product. Uh, they have toys. They have games. So it's like, <clears throat> I'm trying to remember who said, who said this. I was reading um, Heidi McDonald's piece on The Beat about that comic shops need to stop, get, get away from this whole just selling comics thing to becoming like pop culture centers. Yeah, but I read that 20 <clears throat> years ago. Yeah. Like when Ultimate Spider-Man was coming out in the new millennium, like <clears throat> around 9-11, people were saying you got to get it. And the good ones have. Yeah. I mean, you had you had comic shop owners saying they were selling more Pokemon and Magic the Gathering cards than they were selling comics. And that's what was keeping their business afloat. I was talking to um, Hank Kwan, who owns Bulletproof Comics in Brooklyn. And it's the store I used to work at. Um, and he's had that store now for, I think he's going on 30 years he's owned that store. And the, the last time I talked to him about business and I was like, what's selling? And he he told me, he's like, you can't download a t-shirt. Yeah. That's what he's doing. Yeah. He's like, he's like, I don't, I don't. And this is, God, I think this is maybe 10 years ago we had this conversation. Uh, and he was saying like, comics aren't doing it. He's like, I said, what about the toys? He's like, toys are okay, but you're fighting against Walmart and Target. And at this point, Toys R Us, because Toys R Us existed. You have to fight against mainstream retail and you can't meet, meet their price with toys. Uh, so he's like, this is what I can sell. I can sell t-shirts. You know, kids can come in. And, and he had like skateboards in the shop when mm-hmm. I was there, which he didn't when I worked there. Mm-hmm. And that's adaptability. I, I, The frustrating thing for me is yeah, monthly comics are not doing well, but superheroes have never done better. Well, I yeah, and then when we're talking about monthly comics, if you want to say monthly comics and monthly superhero comics, let's let's point at the the culprits of the problem that's Marvel and DC, who are kind of reaping what they've sown in how they've flooded the market over the last how many years, trying to take over the market. I mean, how many X Men books? How many Justice League books? How many Spider-Man books? How many Superman? How many Batman? How many, you know, the same character over how many titles? Because they know that's the popular one. And we want to pretty much suck out as much marrow out of this meager bone that we have until it's like it's dry and a husk. And and people, I mean, people get tired of it after a while. The, the current market, the market that, you know, is c- complaining now. You know, has you know, after a while, it's like you can only go to them so many times before they say, "Okay, we're fed up." Although, again, I, I am amused that you have all these current collectors talking about, "Well, this is the way it should have been." When, oh, look, I had a comic book review show that I did for God knows how many years, and this was I'm, I'm, I get the rem- memories from time to time on Facebook. The Comic Culture Warrior, our last episode was maybe eight years ago when Jose and I did it. And people bitched about it then and how comics suck and they're not that great. And now the same guys who, who are saying, well, back then it was great. I go, no, 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 no. You, you thought they sucked then too. So, so Yeah, it's the Saturday Night Live argument 
I always say is, um, you know, they always say Saturday Night Live was at its best five years ago, and it doesn't matter when that is. Yep. Because yep. when you think back on, if you think back on an old SNL, like right now, what would be in the past is when like Fred Armisen and Jason Sudeikis and Will Forte and Kristen Wiig were all part of the cast. Well, you know what? You have five movie stars in that cast. And right now, you have five movie stars in the cast. We don't know who they are. So you always look at it like, oh, well, this this is huge. I remember when Civil War came out, I was like, I was like, really? We're going back to crossovers? And now people talk about Civil War like it was Dark Knight. I remember, I remember people bitching about Secret War. Yeah, in yeah. the 80s? Yeah. yeah like, oh, what's this big thing, this big event? Oh, everything's got a crossover. Oh, and now we're and now, now they are reprinting every <laughs> single issue of the Secret Wars. And I've sold them so many times that I'm like, eh, maybe I need the maybe I need the reprints of them. I got the omnibus. <laughs> I've but, got the originals in a box, John. If you if I if I need to give them to you to save you from yourself, you can have them. Oh yeah, if you find them, I'll give them to you. I got I, oh, that reminds me, I got a stack of stuff that I wanted you to look at that you can take. <laughs> uh, you have things that are gonna go to half price books. <laughs> but but see, so I mean there is this revisionist history in fandom. And don't get me wrong, I know it's human nature. When we're not happy with our present, we tend to revisit our past and think it's it's it was ever better. I mean, yes, we've all had that boyfriend and that girlfriend who drove us nuts when we were together with them. But then years later, we're like, oh, you know, that was a great time. That's that a whole a... season of Seinfeld. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> That's Susan. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> Until you realize the only way you can get out is to pick your nose. Well, that's the... Yeah, that's the... Uh... <laughs> That's the upside of nostalgia. You remember, you remember the good things. I I just saw yesterday, it was like here's here's what was on the charts uh, thirty years ago, and I looked at it. I'm like, oh, Mysterious Ways was number one, and like uh, I think Smells Like Teen Spirit was number two. But then I read the top twenty, and I'm like, I remember any of these songs. Yeah. And uh, you know, there's like Erasure songs that were big hits, and I'm like, I remember the band, mm-hmm. and it's because. I've forgotten all all the stuff the stuff I didn't care about. I've forgotten, and everybody cares about different things, and that's that's the difference. It's it, you know, it's like um, you know, we're we're Gen Xers, so a lot of my feed is millennials now being nostalgic, mm-hmm. which to me is bizarre. <laughs> but <laughs> what do they have? What did they have to be nostalgic about? Yeah, well, they had the same things to be nostalgic about that we had things to be nostalgic about. But they're the things we were nostalgic about when we were already adults. Yeah, true. like, like they're nostalgic about Harry Potter and Lord of the Rings, and I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, yeah, those were good. I went back to work after I saw those movies. <laughs> now, my now, fiance and I saw Sp- <laughs> Sam Raimi's Spider Man. Now, before I am, I am, um, what is it? I am accused of having uh, of toxic positivity, which is something I heard uh, Heidi McDonald being accused of. Uh, look. Folks, I'm not saying that the, the 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 comics market is booming for everybody and everybody's making money. They're not. And I'm not saying that there aren't comic shops out there that are on the verge of collapse that are going to go out of business. There are. Uh, the But the direct market, because it refused... And I'm talking about... And I'm speaking in general terms now. And I'm talking about... A, a, there's a, a significant number of shops... That because they refuse to, as we say, adapt to the current model, adapt to the audience ahead. And if they just want to sit and complain that the reason the books aren't selling is because the writers that are working on them now are woke or have woke agendas or aren't writing the way they should be or inserting themselves lot, into the There's comics. a lot of that. Yeah. They're saying, oh, well, they're writing it from their point of view, which I'm sorry, folks. The reason you get a new writer on a book is to instill a fresh new take on a character so that that writer can bring some of their experience to the character. And then hopefully, through expressing that experience, attract a newer, wider audience that finds that character more relatable. But it, And yeah, and there are going to be times it works, and there are going to be times it doesn't work. That's just the market. And I'm sorry... Just because a book doesn't sell, it doesn't mean it's a bad book. If we know anything, there's a lot of crap out there that sells major, that people love, <clears throat> Michael Bay movies, <clears throat> and there, there's a lot of quality out there that doesn't get a wide market. Folks, I'm going to piss people off right now by saying this, but let's let's be real here. Saga 
an incredible book. One of Brian K. Vaughn's masterpiece, Fiona Staples. Incredible artwork. I've read Saga. I love the book. Okay. People outside of comics have never heard of that book. Okay. Right. Saga does not because have. Because it hasn't been turned into anything. Hasn't else. been turned into anything. People, people, the Saga is not Star Wars. Saga is not even Star Trek. You know, I had a, I, I was appearing in a comic shop uh, for Free Comic Book Day a while back, and I had folks saying, you know, oh, well, Saga is great. And this, I go, I go, yeah, no, it's a really good book. Too bad it's not more popular. And the one guy, one guy who was like talking up Saga to me, gave me a look like I had a third eye in the middle of my head saying, what do you mean? Everyone knows Saga. I said, okay, hold on a second. I, in the middle, it was free comic book day in a, in a comic shop full of people buying comics. I yelled out, raise your hand if you've heard of the book Saga. John, I am not exaggerating what I'm telling you. Everyone in that shop turned and looked at me and went, uh, what? Never heard of it. Never heard of it. So again, we have a lot of times you think, and and that is a quality book yeah. that does moderately well, moderately well, but it's certainly not like has a, has a copy of Saga ever sold a million copies? No, but it generally sells what forty, fifty, maybe thousand, maybe, maybe. And and these are all books that like they will sell when somebody turns them into a TV show or the collections uh, will yes. sell. Yeah, yeah. I just got. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna say this because my son does not listen to my podcast. I just bought my son for Christmas, the Invincible uh, Omnibus. That's and a good one because yeah, that's a good he one. loves the Amazon Prime show, yeah. and he's not a big reader to begin with. But he loves the Amazon Prime show so much that he was showing me drawings that he had of like Omni Man and Invincible. And and he was like, I'm trying to draw this scene. And he is not an artist type of person. Now, like, if Ryan Otley is listening to this, because we've had Ryan, we've talked to Ryan. Well, I know the comic culture warriors have talked to Ryan Otley, who is a big fan, was a big fan of ours. I, that would, I'm sure that thrills him. Yeah, that would and, and he's six, that. he's 16. He does not read comics. Mm-hmm. Um, he's my son, so he's seen every comic book movie and mm-hmm. watches every show. Uh, but he loves it so much that I bought him the omnibus and it was very easy to find Mm -hmm. and it was a new printing because it is an amazon prime show Mm -hmm. but when i bought it uh i it was delivered this week and jill's a better rapper than i am because she's a girl um also she's from you know she's she's a better rapper meaning she's got she can spit she's queen she's queen latifah She's a little, a little Missy Elliott. She in there. formed the band The Waitresses. <laughs> That's how much she's good at rap and Christmas rapping. <laughs> but, um, Man, that was a deep cut. Yeah, <laughs> like three people out there are gonna get. Secret Galaxy just did a fifteen-minute YouTube video about it. So, <laughs> um, so I gave I gave the gift to her. I said, "Will you please wrap this for Christmas?" And she she looked at me. She goes, "Do you expect him to read this?" And I was like, "No." But I do, I do expect him to open it up and look at the art and look at the drawings, all that. Yeah, and it's, yeah. and that's something like I am never going. Like I said, my um, you know, my son's very creative. He's done improv. He's played guitar. He's been in band. Um, he's like I, an artistic type of kid, and he doesn't read comics, and he's surrounded by comics, and he's just like, oh, okay, you know, but. This is, this is, I know there's a limit he's going to go to. He will never go to a comic book store and buy a monthly comic. It's not ever going to happen. I'm never going to go to a comic store and buy a monthly comic. Yeah, again. full transparency. I, mean, so, yeah. I don't go to comic stores yeah. regularly. Yeah, can't, can't do it anymore. Just don't, I don't have it in me. I go to a comic yeah. book store when I'm near one. Yeah. That, yeah. But yeah. I, I don't have a pull list anywhere. Uh-huh. And I honestly, uh, there's I only follow one book, which is Amazing Spider-Man, because that's my biggest run in my collection. So I get that delivered because I subscribe to that. But man, they just kicked off this gang war storyline, and it's good. Jaramita Jr. is doing the art, and and uh, Ed McGinnis is on it. But of course, because Marvel being Marvel, we're starting this off with a one shot, and it gave me anxiety because mm-hmm. I'm like, where the fuck am I gonna get this one shot? Like, I, you know, uh, maybe this store will have it. Maybe this store will have it. I don't have time to go until the weekend. Are they going to sell out before Wednesday? You know, it. I, I, it's so not a part of my lexicon. You know, and I'm I'm somebody who, like, I, put, I stepped into a comic book store for the first time in 
1986 and uh, fell in love with it. And it's been a when I moved from New York to Chicago, I look I looked for the comic book stores, but now it's like if I'm in the loop, I'll stop in Graham Crackers. And again, I'm gonna and this is I'm gonna say it again. This is the comic companies. They planted this seed ages ago with long events that you have to go out and buy multiple books and, and to be able to track down and get every piece of the story for, for, to them to finally do what? Collect everything in a trade. So I said, why, would I, why am I going to bother getting the monthly books when later on I'm going to be able to just get the whole thing in a trade? I'm going to tell you, this, is, this was my, my turning point. This finally happened to me. Was when and I mean and I'm a big fan of Dan Slots and you know I you you're never gonna hear me speak ill of him and I know it wasn't his decision it was it was a it was a Marvel thing but <clears throat> when he was when they were really pushing to make the Fantastic Four big again in Marvel and right. they had the whole Empire um, uh, event and and when I saw first how much the books were gonna cost and how many issues there were I said I I think I bought the first issue and then I threw my hands up and I said you know what I'm gonna wait for the collection I'm just gonna have to wait for it. That's what I did. And you know what? And again, I hate to say this, but I never finished it. It never compelled me enough to go and finish the whole thing. And, and But if you were buying issue by issue by issue, like you probably would have dropped off. You probably you wouldn't have the full story at home. I wouldn't have the full story. And you know what? I've done this too, where I buy so many issues and I never even read them. Mm. That's why I only buy one book now. And, uh, and graphic novels, I think, are the key to this whole argument because graphic novels is the one section that's going up. Print comics are going down. Digital has plateaued. The floppies, as they say. Yeah. I mean, the fact that they call them floppies means we're not taking them very seriously. And, but the thing is... But they weren't meant to be taken seriously. I mean, they, right. they were, it was cheap entertainment that you'd grab it, you'd read it, you'd roll it up, you'd set, give it to a friend. The copies would get dog-eared, you know? How many times did you spend, you know, your, cop, your comic books would be strewn all over the floor you didn't sit there and go oh um um the, i can um this is gonna have you know investment value later but you know it's it's, it's all bullshit i mean that the whole thing that you have cgc grading now and slabbing of books and taking taking a, an issue of an, an x-men number one that's graded 2.3 and putting it in a in a hard mylar case and they're going folks seriously is that where we're at now that's how desperately we want to hang on to this "Quote unquote collectability value." This these things. Yeah, well, the scenario you're talking about was 50 years ago. Yeah, where you had comic books all over the floor and you traded them back and forth. And 50 years ago, the the magazine section was like the most robust part of publishing. Right. You know, uh, people wanted to work for a magazine. Used to go into newsstands. There are still some, but there used to be one on almost every block in the city where there'd just be a wall of magazines and there'd be a spinner rack of comics. The fact that there still are monthly comics, when you look at what magazines are, yeah, you know, is yeah. it, that is yeah. a, a huge win. Because yeah. what do you see? What magazines do you see now? Time? You know? I, I, a lot what, of cheaply produced stuff out there, but yeah. and I mean, Which is costs eight bucks a month. Yeah, and it's all re, re... A lot of it's just reprinting stuff too. Yeah. Yeah, because I, I, there was a time in the 90s when comics were at their boom, and uh, comics were at their boom and selling, and they were a dollar a copy. Uh, right, you know, right now, as you said, whenever comics are in trouble financially, they just hit the hardcore fans harder. Mm -hmm. uh, you, they're like the casual fans left. That guy's still buying it. Make him buy ten. Yep, yep. But what? And the nineties were doing that, but there were millions of kids buying comics. Mm -hmm. When they were doing that, I subscribed to three guitar magazines a month. None of them exist anymore. I think Guitar World is a website, but I don't even know. I, maybe it's still published, but I used to get Guitar for the Practicing Musician and Guitar Player, and I didn't even get all the guitar magazines they put out a month. Like, those don't exist. So the fact that magazines are just gone. I mean, Mad Magazine closed down five years ago. Yeah, and even looking at entertainment, like, say, uh, EW, Entertainment Weekly, um, it's, it's gone, it's gone online Vogue magazine, which amazingly still exists is just all ads. It's a, it, you're, you're essentially paying for a phone book full of ads with maybe a handful of articles in it actually. And, and yeah, but the ads are targeted. So yeah. you like them. I was, um, it's funny. I was, uh, when I visited Howie and we did, uh, did the podcast a few weeks ago, we went to the Palisades mall. And first of all, 
in the Palisades Mall, uh, which is a huge mall. It's like a mini mall of America. It's the biggest mall in New York. And he happens to live pretty close. So on the last day, we just took a mall walk before we got the, before I went to the airport. And I hadn't been there in like 10 years. The My most vivid memory of going to that mall was going to see Serenity. That's like when I used to go. Mm-hmm. And the movie. The movie, yes. Yeah. Which, uh, which was supposed to kick off a whole series of movies and show what a massive fan base the brown coats were, which wah, narrator, there were not. Yes, yeah, small vocal <laughs> fan base. However, it did it did get Joss Whedon into Marvel. Which as an aside, um, I'll be honest here. Like we, we talk about how great the Marvel, you know, why isn't Kevin Feige this, Kevin Feige that, Marvel's uh the I think the big one of the major ingredients that is missing from a current Marvel that uh, they had back then was I mean, Joss Whedon was essentially the keeper of the timeline, so to speak. Once he got in there, right now that he's persona non grata, he's been kicked out. Um, and and to me, I think uh, I, I I'm still wrapping my brain around it. But the fact that he's you know been demonized and 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 ostracized, and then and, and like everything that he's ever done creatively is now crap. I don't know. I, yeah. I just uh, yeah. That that's something I always wondered about because the Buffy fans in particular were mm-hmm. so loyal mm-hmm. that I'm like, when all that happened with Jones Reed, I'm like, what are the Buffy fans gonna do? I mean, uh, you know, MCU fans will just say Avengers was a good movie and Age of Ultron sucked, so Joss Whedon deserves it. Uh, yeah, but, but they forget he had his hand in everything leading up to that. He did. Yeah, yeah. that's one of the reasons he was hired. He was hired to do right. Avengers and to watch over everything. You're absolutely right. And and John Favreau set the template that they've been copying John Favreau's tone mm-hmm. more than Joss Whedon's. Yeah, uh, but Joss Whedon was the one who really knew the, the 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 universe enough to keep it faithful to, as they say, the comics. I right, because he was writing too. an X Men comic when they yeah. hired him to do the movie. But anyway, I don't mean to go into Joss Whedon was unfairly treated. I mean, Joss Whedon made his bed and he lived in it. And you know what? Yeah. I am not crying for Joss Whedon because I don't think Joss Whedon is homeless. And destitute in the streets. I'm, I'm sure he's doing quite well for himself. So, but anywho, back to the main point. Yeah, and just <laughs> just reading's not Bill Cosby, in my opinion, of of, yes. of what he did. Yeah, or 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 even Louis C.K. Or and Louis C.K. wasn't Bill Cosby in yeah. terms of what he did. Right. I mean, we can talk about cancel culture and how cancel culture is so binary. But see, here's the thing too, and that it's back. The kind of what helps us get back into the main this whole debate that was going on again about the comics. Market, because then yes, then the the yahoos got involved, and people. It was no longer the argument about comics themselves and how they're doing, but it was about who was making the argument, you know. And you had people going on one side and the other, not because of the argument, but again, you know, you had people who said, "Oh well, Mark." Well, let's let's say Mark Miller got it, you know, chimed in and said some things, and apparently the, there was a big row between him and Gail Simone, which was surprising. Considering I always thought thought Mark Miller and Gail Simone were friends, you know. And and right. and, and to be fair, Mark Miller apologized to Gail Simone and said, "I didn't mean you." Yeah, and she accepted that apology. Right. And she said, "But and it's kind of mm-hmm. like when Megan Gans accepted Dan Harmon's apology." I I don't need to cancel Dan Harmon because he apologized for what he did, and the person that he apologized to, who isn't me, by the right. way. Accepted, uh, yeah. Accepted, so yeah. fine. Yeah, so that's over. We don't no long. We no longer need to get back into our morally superior corners. Okay, um, so but that but that sort of thing just kind of got out of hand to the point where you just couldn't have a discussion. You just couldn't talk about the issues at hand, which just drives me nuts because we're at a time right now where communication is as easy as ever going to be. We can all I, was it? I think it was Nikolai Tesla. Who who once um, theorized that at one point humanity is going to have like this great electronic network where we'll all be connected to each other like a giant brain and we'll all be able to connect with each other instantaneously and it will bring us together. It will unify the world like never before. I really <laughs> hope it was Nikolai Tesla because the the person doing the most damage to that now ran Tesla. <laughs> So I want Tesla to be the alpha and the omega <laughs> of connectivity. There we go. Because it sounds like it. Because we are able to communicate, but nobody wants to. I mean, um, well, I think what we've exposed is everyone can communicate 
technologically, but we're learning people can't communicate emotionally. People people don't yeah, have yeah. the skills to debate. There's some, and and that's like the trash argument. I'm like, well, yeah. you're not debating. You're just, you're just yelling. Yeah. There's something, I, I will admit, there's something about being on the internet, though, that kind of takes off a particular filter we may have. Both in the way we express ourselves and the and in the way we understand others. I remember when I first got on on social media, you know, again back in my early days with the red eye, and I'll admit it, there's a lot of shit I did on Twitter and in social media that a lot of that, when my when my uh, again Facebook memories come back from like eight nine ten years ago, I go, oh my god, I make myself cringe. I go, oh, I I said that. Yeah, because you things- got better. That's what that yeah, means. Yeah, you know, and, and the things I said on I would get into stupid arguments with people on Twitter. I had this whole idea that when you're on social media, you're not really yourself. You're playing a character, mm. and um, and that got me into. In some cases, it worked. In a lot of cases, it didn't. And I'm like, but I think that still happens because now I don't even think people go on social media to communicate. It's always well, I want to be able to sell my thing i want to be able to network i want people to see this and see that i want people to see my opinion and hear it and 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 there are a lot of folks who they're trying to do it and they're running in the walls because the algorithms are screwing with them mm-hmm. so they learn oh you know what i'll just be a troll and if i and troll, there's some people that's the only reason they're there because they they're everybody wants attention to some degree we are recording this and putting it on the internet why because we want the we want people to know that we're funny and smart <laughs> <laughs> well you know, I don't know. You're the funny one. I I might be the smart one. I don't know. What? I'm not smart now. Well, okay. <laughs> See, there we go. Expressing yourself. <laughs> but every everybody wants to be seen as their best self, and a lot of people who don't have the skills to do that, who aren't funny, who aren't smart, mm-hmm. who aren't insightful, mm-hmm. who don't have a deep knowledge about these things, uh, just like in any social situation in a schoolyard, um. They people can get attention by acting bad as much as they can get attention by being good at something. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of people that just do that. I think the difference between social media then and now, as you were saying, is when we joined social media then, we all had these avatars. We all made up names. You know, like I, I, I was like, I was not in my book for a long time. And that's what I called the production company of this podcast when it started. And it was based on a sketch I wrote a long time ago. And then uh, everybody was like, you know, everybody was like Barry the Dolphin, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. two, three, four, mm-hmm. and once we got on Facebook and Twitter, it became I am John Clark, I'm Elliot Serrano. But there was still that that mask that we could wear underneath it. There's a lack of accountability until you hit cancel culture, and that's when the entire world turns against you. Like you have you have you have to build that house of cards so fucking high for it to topple over. It's funny. I was listening to your show last week when you were discussing the Doctor Who specials. Uh, John, you know I you should you should you should take that as a compliment. I don't I just do. I don't just listen to the shows I'm on. <laughs> but um but yeah uh, the the giggle, you know the, the last episode Yeah the last with, Doctor Who that we do with JB Anderson who was, and and has been running a Doctor Who podcast longer than any of us have great I love the name yes. of that. Uh, Doctor Who gives a fuck the, yes. yeah and yes uh, I remember um, we did run into each other at Chicago TARDIS um, years ago, before I got kicked out of that. But anyway, <laughs> see, and that's I don't want to bring that. Up, I but... used to love to bring it up because I like the shade of purple you turn. Uh, <laughs> but that's something that, like, there was like a couple of weeks. It was like we should cancel Elliot. And I'm like, oh come on, wait. A I minute. know. Wait I, a minute. I'm telling you, I was there. And, uh, <laughs> and not to, I want to go back to this, but yeah, talk about cancel. You were culture. canceled like Conan O'Brien in 1994. Yeah. I mean, it's, <laughs> hey, we might cancel you, or we you might, might let you run not. another and, 30 years. And I've in, in in all fairness, and again, I'll say in all fairness, I had, I don't want to keep folks just look it up. It's on Google. It's you can Google it. You'll see what it was. I've read it myself, and and I'm, I'm going to say, folks, this is why even as a member of the media. I also have a healthy distrust of the media because a lot of stuff that was said, that was said was said, was not said. I know. Yeah, without rehashing it, I was in the room. Yeah. And then when I read that stuff, I'm like, that's not what it was. Right. Add to that, I had... Basically, it was a joke that bombed, and then then people said that was your character. That was my character, and that's what I was doing. If And if anything, that... um, And here's the thing, and this kind of annoyed me, because I had friends come to me and say, how could you do that? Mind you, friends who weren't even there, who were just going on the account of what happened. 
And and then I would explain it to them, thinking, you're my friend, you understand, and, and this is what happened. And then coming back at me saying, well, maybe it was this instead. I'm like, okay, so in other words, you're going to take the word of everyone out there. And again, there were a lot of folks commenting who weren't even at the event who were, you know, complaining about me on Twitter. And I even said, I, you know, again, I apologized on Twitter too. I even said, hey, folks, you know, if you're mad about it, I understand. And I'm sorry. And mea culpa. I screwed up. I'm sorry. But FYI, Alex Kingston was not angry at me, right. as many of you want to say she was. And she was perfectly fine. And even afterwards, Said it was funny. She, I remember so, the conversation you and I had afterwards. Yeah. yeah. And um, because I was a stand-up for for years, we talked about how you recovered. That's all we talked about. We were like, "Yeah, that didn't go well at all." But then you turned yeah. it around. You then you got that you got that's it back right. on track. And yeah, and, you know, I thought and it was that's over. something that's something you learn by doing. So back, but that, but so then it was that whole thing on the giggle where David Tennant is in the middle of the street and some guy is standing in yes. the middle of the street while another guy is going to run him down. And he's like, well, I have a right to stand here because I pay taxes, but I don't drive. And, uh, to, and he shouldn't do this. I'm like, I'm like, I, I guess in some cases when it comes to getting into arguments online about things and you don't want to like acknowledge the facts, like the fact is pedestrian versus SUV one will obviously win. It doesn't matter whether the pedestrian thinks he should be able to stand in the middle of the street. All right. The fact is the, uh, the pedestrian is going to lose every time. You got to consider the facts when it comes to certain arguments. Well, that's the thing about arguing, arguing online. And that's what we're seeing. That's what we're seeing this week is argument to quote Monty Python. Argument is intended to establish a proposition. Contradiction is the automatic gainsaying of any any statement the other person makes. No, it isn't. <laughs> <laughs> you know, which which when I was fourteen and heard that sketch, I was like, "That's the most brilliant thing I've ever heard about an argument." And social network is the Monty Python argument sketch. And and to me, it's I don't like arguing. I don't. I like debating. Okay. Arguing, there is a certain, I, I feel when you talk about you get into an argument, there's a sort of aggression to it where, well, this is my point and I'm going to make you see my point of view. And like they say, nobody wins an argument, but you go in wanting to win an argument where mm. I say debate is, hey, let's both look at you. T you take one point of view. I'll take the other point of view and let's go back and forth on it and come to an understanding. Because, I mean, that was one of my things I loved in school. I, I took debate. I, I had a debate class. In debate class, you had to freaking take a point of view that you didn't agree with and learn how to pitch that, you know, how to convince the other side that the point of view that you don't even agree with is the correct point of view. Yeah. And I think we would be much better as a society if we could actually look at all points of view that way. Even take the stuff that we don't agree with and go, okay, I want to figure out a way to convince you that I'm right, because that means you really have to explore that 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 perspective you have to really look at it from a point of point of view other than your own yeah and and uh when i was in high school we had uh, speech and debate and i was always on the drama side because i always wanted to just yell like jack nicholson and tell monty python jokes <laughs> uh, and i did well doing that but the guys who did debate were some of the smartest guys i knew and they're guys that have come back on the show like um Joe Giaconda was on the show talking about the novel he wrote about the, po the, about the Pope employing a serial killer. And he's the guy that bought Slice just to see if he could do it. Um, Bill Monroe, who I'm never getting over not being here, who used to come on here every three months, was amazing at debate. And he would, he would love to debate. He would pick the side, the opposite of me. And I would say in the middle of it, I'm like, you don't believe any of this. And he would just giggle. <laughs> Exactly. Yes. I'm like, I know you're on my side about this. He's like, yeah, but you know, yeah. it's called opposition research. You got to yeah. admit, you take your smartest guys, you put them on the other side to figure out what the argument's going to be, so that you can prepare for it. Well, and the the intention is to find the commonality, find the common ground, yep. find the compromise, or decide which one is right. And you know, you're, it's that you're right. It's a difference between a debate and a fight because. Think about like the worst fights you've gotten through, you've gotten in in your relationship. 
They weren't about anything. Nobody was going to win that. Nope. Everybody was going to lose that relationship, which is why I'm just saying, remember your past relationships. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but but you, they're all about being emotionally entrenched. And a lot of people, that's their only gear. And it's the, it's the tribalism. Because a lot of people define their personality by who they're like. So... You know, it, it, you know, it's, uh, you know, Yankees versus Red Sox uh, down the line of like, it's Mark Millar versus Gail Simone. It's like, no, but what are they talking about? You bring Yankees versus Red Sox, which right now I, I even think I about just trying to be regional. I, don't no, know I know. I get you. But no, you're also. But it's like I love Jerry Seinfeld's bit about that. He goes after, you know, these teams get you never your guy who might have played like Wade Boggs went was an all star great. For the Red Sox, he went to go play for the Yankees, right? Yeah, and then he went to Tampa Bay. Well, it reminds me but of that, C- Citizen Kane, and that's that's yeah, how high brow I'm going to get. There we go. But but saying to the point, but it's like it's you're rooting for laundry at that point. You're not even <laughs> rooting for the player. You're rooting for the jersey that they're wearing because some for some reason because they wear that uniform, they're closer to you. You can identify with them more. They're there for you. I'll go, folks. Let's let's be honest. Let's be real here. Um, very few pro sports athletes i mean they're gonna pay lip service to you and talk about how much they love the city and they love the team but the reality is is, and and i do not begrudge them this they're playing for their families they're playing for a paycheck they're playing so that they can feed their families and put their kids through college but pro athletes today are even they're not they're not even thinking about you know, it's not like the whole, I want to be a, you know, a cub my whole life or Kirby Puckett. I'm going to be a Minnesota twin my entire career. It's like, no, I want to be able to set my children and grandchildren up, you know, for the rest of their lives. That's what it is. And I don't begrudge them that. So they're not, unless the team that they're with is going to keep doing that. And they're not, they're going to move somewhere else. So don't get all attached and go, oh, they were my favorite player. Well, because take it, take it back to comics. Is there any major creator that didn't work for both Marvel and DC? Yeah, I mean, and you know, before Jeff Johns did Green Lantern, he did the Avengers. So that's why I'm, I even sit there, and mind you, I had my, I've had my fun with it. I mean, back in you know Marvel, we always did Marvel versus DC, Star Trek versus Star Wars, all those things. We always had, even even today, that ridiculous. It's this whole ridiculous thing where. You know, people are going after James Gunn on social media because now the DC movies are on Netflix instead of, you know. First of all, not his job. Yeah. yeah like, and, and James Gunn, uh, some guy went after him on Twitter. And I, I swear to God, this man has the patience of a saint. Right, remember, this was the guy who got canceled. Remember, he yeah. got fired by got canceled on but got canceled on Twitter for his old jokes. When he was working at Troma and trying to be as edgy as possible, yeah, like ten years ago, ten years before yeah. that, yeah. And then, and then, and then, oh well, now and then, but anyway, so the guy is now in charge of the DCEU and and writes some of the most thoughtful, compassionate. I mean, when people come after him, he doesn't respond in kind. I mean, people are downright insulting sometimes to him. He responds with compassion. He responds, you know, uh, you know, from a place of of intellect of reason and i sit there and i go jesus i could not do this guy's job well he learned the hard way because he he literally lost guardians 3 until the internet picked him back up i mean this is a guy or until really. you know i was talking about marvel and dc writers and artists but i mean james gunn's a perfect example he put out a marvel movie six months ago and he's running dc yeah i mean probably what probably the last best mcu movie of this Oh yeah, crop. I mean, I didn't think I could get emotionally invested again in a Marvel movie. Honestly, and then I, this one. I think there were only two great Marvel movies since Endgame, and that was, Guardians yeah. Three is one of them. Yeah, and the other one, fucking Sony made. <laughs> you wanted to, yeah. So, 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 yeah. So there's a tribalism here now. You have these guys who are like, well, the DCEU has to help, has to take the Marvel U down. Like, since when the fuck does that matter? I mean, can't we have? Can't both DC movies and Marvel movies be successful? Why does it have well, to be... Well, I remember Joss Whedon wrote an open letter at that in 2012 when Avengers was big because the whole... Everybody was saying Avengers versus Dark Knight Rises. And people did not like Dark Knight Rises as much as Dark Knight. So they wanted to pile on Nolan and say Joss Whedon is better than Christopher Nolan. Yeah, yeah. It's 10 years later. That sounds goddamn ridiculous. <laughs> yep, yep. 
But but Joss Whedon came out and said, this is not a zero-sum game. It should be everything. I mean, I would love to see more. I would love to see good DC movies. I'll go to a, a good DC film. Yeah. I mean, I would love to see more. I mean, when we... I loved the ones that we got. Like, I, I love the Matt Reeves Batman because we got a good Batman movie. Mm-hmm. Was it Dark Knight? No. Was anything Dark Knight? No. Do I like Batman Begins more than Dark Knight? And I still said that? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, Batman Begins is more of a Batman movie. Whereas, exactly. That's why yeah, I like it more, yeah. because it's about the character. Yeah. Dark Knight and Dark Knight Rises, the scope is Gotham bigger. And Dark Knight, I mean... But uh, I love that <laughs> Matt Reeves, and with Robert Pattinson as the lead, gave me a Batman movie that I liked. I don't, I don't have to go, well, it's not Nolan, so it's trash. Right. Or it's not, you know, it's not a Marvel movie. You know, or... This movie, it's, it's got to be the greatest movie of all time so it can finally take down Marvel. Why do you want to take down Marvel for? Don't you like... I love having more Marvel... I love having Marvel movies. I love having DC movies. I like having Star Trek movies. I like having Star, Star Wars. I like having all these things. Why do I have to take down one so I can enjoy the other? That makes... It just Right now, maybe it's a product of my age. You know, because again, I'll admit, I loved making that argument. My, You know, my little brother... Um, he was the big DC movie fan, and I would tease him all the time about Zack Snyder. I would and see that. that on Twitter. Yes, and and uh, and we'd go back and forth. But now I'm like, no, I would love this. I, I'm looking forward to Superman Legacy. I'm I I have this feeling that man James Gunn is going to give me a great Superman movie that I've been waiting so long for. You know, I have ye- I have yet to get a quote unquote perfect Superman movie, and yes. I will even count the first Superman film starring Christopher Reeve because Christopher Reeve will all is my all time fave Superman. But the end when he flies back, uh, you know, reverses the rotation of the Earth and goes back in time, and it makes, changes time, and it doesn't just mean everyone flies off the planet. <laughs> <laughs> makes no fucking sense, but fine. But I still love that film. Hey, I I don't think there's been a perfect Spider Man movie, yeah. and there's been ten of them, yeah. and some of them are really really great. But in my own head canon. And the big difference is, in my own headcanon, I don't think they particularly nailed it. But I also don't think that my headcanon is anyone else's. And that's where the argument, in my opinion, ends. You know, like, I could very easily go on Twitter and reactivate my account to say Across the Spider-Verse is trash because Peter Parker is a bit player in it. It's not. It's great. Is it what I what I am looking for? No. But is it what what was delivered? Was it quality? Absolutely. And it frustrates me that a lot of people just don't even have that capacity. It's I've made this point on a show in the past. I said this about Star Wars. I enjoyed Star Wars a lot more when it was entertainment. Not now that it's become religion. Yeah, yeah. I, I yeah. I definitely agree. I yeah, I was looking back at something and I was like, really? You know, at this age, I go, Star Wars to me is still two movies. Mm-hmm. And like, I really love those two movies, but like, I don't know that I'll put them on as much. I just finished this week, probably because it's Christmas, I just finished my rewatch of Lord of the Rings Extended. And, and uh took me about a week, you know, watched like an hour or two a night. Still love it. Uh, and I thought, well, what am I going to do next? I know The Hobbit's not as good. So maybe I don't want to do The Hobbit. And I was like, I haven't done Star Wars in a while. And my initial reaction was like, yeah, but do you stop? Do mm-hmm. I just do those two and leave? Because, you know, I haven't finished Ahsoka. I don't know that I ever will. There's nothing wrong with that, John. You want to know why? Because it's entertainment. It's not your life doesn't <laughs> depend on it. It's a, it's a diversion. It's supposed to help take Yeah, but mind. what it's diverting me from is so important. <laughs> This thing that I don't want to look at and Luke Skywalker's in their way. <laughs> Do not make me revisit the last Jedi. <laughs> but so, but so I, so to, to, so anyway, and not to get too far off the original point because this does does relate. I mean, comic books are a diversion. They are evolving. They're changing. Is the direct market going to continue the way it always has, the way it did before? No, let's be honest. It's not going to happen. Businesses don't change until it's cheaper to change. Exactly. And if it's... And and not, not and, only do they not change, I mean, I mean, I could see... You know what businesses do? They don't 
change. They consolidate. Yeah. You know, they they buy the thing that's doing it differently. Yeah. And, and then, then they very slowly turn it back to mm -hmm. what they were already doing. So what? Unless you know, maybe there's a hence Lord of the Rings to the Hobbit. <laughs> The wow. Hobbit just that's, says Warner Brothers. That, that's, that's a nice tie-in. Well, Elliot, there. if uh, people want to tell you you're wrong. <laughs> Which they will, especially with my thoughts about Joss Whedon and my recount, recounting of what happened at Chicago TARDIS with uh, Alex Kingston. Uh, <clears throat> how can they find you online? I don't know if I want them to now. <laughs> I want them to. Yeah, uh, I'm on all socials. At Elliot Serrano with two L's, two T's, and two R's. No, I'm not on Twitter. But you can find it's um, Elliot.Serrano on TikTok and Threads. And um, yes, you'll see me on Facebook. Um, my Facebook is open. It's a public page. Anyone can read it. Anyone can comment. I don't friend as much anymore unless I know you. You know, but um, you get, feel free to chime in there. Let me know. Where, of course, I will. I always try to repost all these shows. Um, I'm also managing the Top Men Indie Podcast uh, Instagram and Facebook page where we're not talking about the indie movies anymore, but we finished them. Yeah, you know, we finished them. We might come back uh, to talk about some other things soon. I do have a special guest lined up to talk about the actual historical artifacts of Indiana Jones. And there's also the MCU review, which we hope to restart in 2024. Uh, once um, everyone's life settles down better. And we can get back to talking about what we like and enjoy and, and say, hey, folks, this is entertainment. It's not, it's not a political movement. It's not, you know, if you might like it and someone else doesn't like it, guess what? There's nothing wrong with that. If someone else likes something you don't like, guess what? There's nothing wrong with that. Well, if you want to tell me what you like, I'm, <laughs> I'm on Instagram and threads now uh, as... At, not in my book. I uh, haven't posted very much on either because I'm not a big picture taker. And uh, I'm still feeling out threads. I'm like, well, do I tell my jokes on threads? Do I tell my dark jokes when I'm in a bad mood on threads? Because <laughs> I got plenty of those that I hold back. Um, but go to our Facebook page, facebook.com slash Comics. If something happens in the world of geek, that's where it's reposted. Um, I, you know, And I'm trying to post positive stuff when I can. Uh Todd McFarlane just announced a second wave of Batman the Animated Series figures, and you can build lockup. So you better be right that I posted that within 30 <laughs> seconds. And then you can subscribe to this podcast if you aren't already anywhere you get podcasts. And you could always ask your Alexa, play Caffeinated Comics on the Radio Misfits. And either way, we will talk to you next week.